I've been preaching from 1 Peter through the summer at my church. These guys know it, but I've got a message today. I've never preached before. It comes from this book, the first chapter. And I would like to invite you to that chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Can you say amen for that? This inheritance, it's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, they searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have not been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Pray with me. Lord, this is your word. And it is your word and your spirit that makes all the difference. May this be the most personal, specific word to people in this room. You know why we're here. You know our story, our backstory, And so God, have your way. I pray that you will, as Pastor Javen said, just let this be a life-changing day. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. Well, let me start with a confession. Yeah, that's scary. You're right, like, oh, no. <laughs> At the end of 2017, I knew something was going on physically with my voice and my breathing. It had become very difficult to get through a message. Uh, my body would empty of air. My vocal cords were dysfunctioning. So I called my doctor, and he ordered tests immediately. CAT scans, MRIs, ultrasounds of my heart. At that time, everything checked out great with my heart, but they all said, yes, something's going on with your, with your vocal cords, with your throat. So continued testing, different doctors, you know the process, this place, this doctor, test after test. They defined that there was a stenosis of my airway, which is a narrowing of your airway. Then the process to find out what's the cause. It can be cancer. It can be an autoimmune disease, uh, any number of things. So test after test, checking through all that, and no calls to be found, just the result. All the way through 
2018 that continued and finally through this incredible gifted doctor that was going to my church. I didn't meet him until his wife came up to Kelly and said, I think my husband could really help Pastor Ron. How many of you know the miracle is always in the house? And, and, and he, he's become one of my great friends because he's not only this amazing physician and a brilliant intellect, but, you know, has partnered with me in this journey because it's been a long and tough journey. So finally, fast forwarding now to November of 2019, I had my first surgery. And after the surgery, he said, if it works, you're going to know immediately. Well, when I came... Uh, you know, out from under the anesthetic, I knew immediately that there was no improvement. If anything, it was more difficult to breathe. He was very frustrated because the procedure just didn't work. And so we went through 2020 trying to figure things out. And it was in March of 2020 that I had the second surgery, then in April the third. And both of those definitely brought improvement. So I was scheduled just two weeks ago to have the third and hopefully final surgery to deal with this narrowing of my airway. However, I started having even more struggle with my breathing prior to that surgery date. So I said to my doctor, I said, this is even different. And he said, well, we should check your heart. Discovered I had two arteries, 90% blocked. So just a couple of weeks ago, I had two stents and now I'm back on my way, but I just want to stand here and tell you that since 2017 until now, there have been times where it's been hard to hold to my faith. And I just want to be as honest with you. Uh, I've known Jesus since I was a kid. I'm 55 now. Kelly and I have been pastoring since I was 23. She was 17. She's just 22 now. And so, you know, we were raised in this, raised to hold on to God. But I just want to be very transparent with you that there were times I'd wake up on a Sunday morning, I had no voice. By the time it came to preach it, God provided. I said in the first service that, that I pastor so that I can preach. Because when I was 13 years old, in an undeniable encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit, there was a call placed on my life to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel that people might be saved, that disciples might be made. Yes, I love pastoring. Yes, I love leading. But nothing compares with that internal, like, merger of spirit and truth that then becomes like a fire in your soul and for me, it was never, oh, I have to preach. It was, I have to preach. And yet to have the primary struggle of my life be with trying to declare that word with the kind of passion and excellence that I wanted, it just created all kinds of challenges in my mind. And honestly, it became hard at times to hold on to my faith. Now, your struggle might be way more severe but whether it's a small struggle or big struggle, struggle is struggle. And we all at times are going to struggle. And we all at times are going to have to deal with 
how to hold on to our faith when it's hard. And so my message is a question. How to hold on to faith when it's hard. Now to answer this, I want to define a couple of terms that we saw in our text. The first is faith. I'm not talking about that moment where you put your faith in Jesus and became saved. That's fixed. That's a place and a time. I'm talking about faith where you keep trusting God. Peter said this is not a generic faith and it's not a general faith. He says this is a a faith that hopes. This is a faith that trusts. This is a faith that perseveres in hope. So that's where my challenge was. Is at times I... I wasn't persevering in hope. I wasn't trusting at the level. I was losing my grip on faith. The next term I want to define is trial. Trial can be an opportunity and a temptation to lose faith. Now again, I'm not talking about when you put your faith in Jesus for salvation. I'm talking about that ongoing trust. And trials become... A temptation to lose the grip on faith because, according to 1 Peter 5, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What's he trying to devour? Our faith. Because if we lose this trust and hope in Jesus, it'll have tremendous implications on our own life, on our influence on those around us, on the call of God, on the mission of God, the assignment of God that each of us carry. So this is too important not to pause and say, Lord, how can you help me? Because just as a trial is a temptation to lose that grip on faith, it's also an opportunity for God to strengthen your faith. It's an opportunity for you to get better and not bitter. It's an opportunity for you to be more resolute, more more galvanize that you are standing on the solid rock Christ Jesus and he's faithful the same yesterday today and forever so how would how how do we get there how do we get there and so that's the reason for this rope because Peter's message to me and to you is going to be captured in the picture that this rope represents I want this rope to represent, first of all, your life and mine. And the blue is representative of when you were born. For me, that was February 5th, 1966. This side is that date assigned when I'll step into heaven. It's the beginning and the end of life as we know it here. And so here, we're going to have various trials. We're going to have fiery trials. And how, according to this picture... Do I get in the purpose clause of what Peter said so that the testing and the trial, it only proves the genuineness of my faith and it turns out for glory and honor to the Lord and strength of my resolve to keep pressing on. So Peter is going to answer that very question And he says, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to have to look back. And you must look forward. And you must look up. When I say look back, we're, we're not talking about back to the day you were born. We're going to go way beyond that. We're going to look at eternity past. Imagine if this rope went out of this room across this city, 
across the ocean, around the world. Let's go there. So imagine how far we're talking about. And when we say, Peter is saying, you got to look back. you got to go all the way back to where creator God says, before I formed you, I knew you. Like before the creation of the world, God knew you. Way before when you were born, God knew you. God knew the details. And like pages in a book, your life was designated. And this Father God, at that moment, then went on a pursuit of you. To adopt you, to redeem you. Like before you had any interest or knowledge of Him, He was on pursuit. My brother and his wife, they adopted two precious little baby girls from Guatemala. They're now young adults. And those two precious girls, when they were in that orphanage, they had no clue there were parents on the way. They had no clue that a price had been paid, sacrifice had been made, a home had been built, family was mating, love was waiting, provision was waiting, a hope and a future was before you and I had any concept, God was in pursuit, paying the price to get us. And if I'm going to hold on to my faith, I've got to go all the way back. And then I bring it forward to where God gave his son and Jesus gave his life. We're talking about the one who knew no sin, who was the perfect sacrifice, died and rose again. And Peter says, you've been given a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You've been born again. You've not just gone from bad to good. You've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus by the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Got to go all the way back to God, Creator, bring it forward to King Jesus who conquered it all. And then I was fascinated when Peter wrote about the prophets of the past and the preachers. It says they longed, they were inquisitive to know the answer for why they were given this prophecy of a coming Messiah. And I love the answer. The answer is not so they could serve themselves. They were given that message so they could serve you. So I want you to think of all the voices of the past that God lined up so that the gospel would get to you. I want you to go all the way back. There's Ezekiel who was faithful. There was a Daniel who said, even in a lion's den, I'm going to trust God. Because he wasn't serving himself. He was serving you. He was serving me. There's Amos and Hannah. Think of all the voices we don't even know. That kept the gospel flame burning bright so that it could ignite surrender in your heart and mine. And we would confess Jesus as Savior. Just amazed. To hear your pastor say that over the last three months, 136 people have been baptized in water, giving testimony to their salvation. Oh, you got to think back. Go back with me four years where God put a burden, a vision, a leading in their hearts. Plant a church in Vegas. And all of those people 
God had in a plan to get the gospel to them. Let's testify. If this church has dramatically impacted your life for the glory of God, would you raise your hand? Come on, look around, look around, look around. And look at all that God did bringing it forward. Now, if you and I are going to hold on here and now, Peter says, you got to look back. It started with God, the redemption through the resurrection, and the preachers that got the gospel to you. So we're going to look back. He said, don't stop there. you got to look forward. Let's tour this side of eternity. Because Peter said, you've been born again by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is guaranteed. That's heaven. And he said of this inheritance, it will never perish. Have you ever been part of something that was so awesome you didn't want it to end? Days like today. I, I, you know, he said, man, you're going to be preaching all day. I love it. I love being in an atmosphere with God's people. I love where we're talking about Jesus who made us, who redeemed us, and who has a home for us. He said, it'll never perish. He said, it'll ne never spoil. When we get to heaven, there won't be a trace of sin, a trace of evil. He said, it will never fade. Like it's a perpetual state of newness. In this life, there are many times we have to say, Lord, will you renew my strength? Will you renew my mind? Will you renew my faith? Will you renew my hope? But when we get to heaven, it's always new. Forever new. You'll never have to be renewed because it's always new. Here, I can, I can pull a muscle thinking about exercise. Here, there are no replacements. Hello? There's no renewal. There will be no surgeries. There's no sorrow. There is no sickness. There's no pain. There's no death. And if I'm going to hold on now, I've got to look forward to what God has for me. Come on, get this in your heart today. Because great people of faith, it is said of them that the way they were successful in this life is because they thought so much about that life. Heaven is real. We're not just going to float around, float around on the, the clouds. We, we're talking about a new heaven and a new earth. It's physical. It's as real as this room. It's as tangible as this room. The only difference is there won't be any military because there's no war. There won't be any doctors because there's no sickness. Now, doctors are going to be in heaven. They just, I suppose. But they won't have to practice medicine because there will be no sickness. There will be a bunch of pastors in heaven, but we won't be pastoring because there's no sin to warn against. There won't be any undertakers, morticians, because there's no death. We all were, took a step back as we watched cities be impacted by COVID-19 and makeshift morgues because they were running out of space. But when we get to heaven, no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no dying, for God will wipe away every tear 
from our eyes. If we're going to hold on, we've got to look forward. Can you imagine when we're out in this place called heaven, if we should think back to the pain, to the division, to the struggle, and then we're sitting there in, in that place, what will matter? What will matter most is that we held on. Not how healthy or wealthy, but that we held on. Not how successful or not, but that we held on. The most important thing about your life today as a follower of Jesus is to hold on to your faith. If you don't know Jesus, it is to form faith by surrendering your heart to Jesus. In this culture where the gospel is being denied, where there is an editing process going on with Scripture, and we know that the Bible doesn't need to be edited because God got it right the first time. But yeah, we have a culture that what's going to matter most when you get there and you look back is that you held on to the living, infallible, inspired Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we hold on when it's hard? You got to look back. Before he formed you, he knew you. He sent his son to save you. He sent preachers so that you would hear the message of his love and grace. The conviction of the Holy Spirit caused you to surrender your heart. You were born again into a living hope. And you're going to sustain that hope by looking back and then looking forward to the day where we're going to be in heaven and there will be no more battle to fight, no more stress, no more pain. But you also hold on by looking up. To me, one of the, the bedrock verses and phrases of the entire passage is when Peter says it like this. That there is this inheritance that's in heaven kept for you. And you, by God's power, are being shielded until that day. Shielded. The best illustration I have is, think of the astronaut capsule. When astronauts have gone into outer space, the moon or a space station, then it's time to return home. They get into the astronaut capsule, and when they <coughs> re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, they're going 1,700 miles an hour, and it's 3,400 degrees. You know how hot that is? Just walk outside. <laughs> and what keeps those astronauts from being incinerated as they're making their journey home is a heat shield. And when the capsule splashes into the ocean and they've made it home, you can see that the shield is charred. And those astronauts will talk about that part of the journey is just intense, like very intense. And you're not only feeling the speed, but you are feeling the heat. But the shield is protecting you until you get home. The way we hold on to faith 
if I don't get to this point that I'm making right now, it will, you will think that we've got to come up somehow by human effort, by our own emotional stamina to hold on. When in fact, when we get to heaven and we stand before Jesus, we will know without a shadow of a doubt, we held on because he strengthened our grip. And we get there because he will get us there. He will shield and guard us all the way home. Come on, church. Supernatural joy, supernatural peace, supernatural power, supernatural help that God will use to guard us and shield us all the way home. And in those times we're going, God, and the devil's trying to devour your faith by saying, if God was loving, this wouldn't have happened. If God was powerful, it would be over by now. God doesn't care. doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your family. He doesn't care about that need. It's in those times that we would say, rather than you devouring my faith, this is going to be an opportunity for God to strengthen my faith because I'm going to look back. And I'm going to look forward. And I'm going to look up. You know how it is when, when you're suffering, when you're struggling, and even though you're struggling, instead of it being, you know, somehow systematic or easy, it, it, it just gets more complicated. Like even just a couple of weeks ago, I'm supposed to have this third and hopefully final procedure on my throat, and yet they discover I have these two arteries blocked. And so, okay, let's go in. They discovered that on Thursday, Friday morning, I'm in angioplasty, two stents, and then let's get on recovery. So they could only do one. It was so difficult getting the first one the way the doctor wanted it that he used all the contrast dye that he can use in one procedure. And so, you know, like, <laughs> Lord, this has been going on since 2017. It's 2021. Like, it's time for something to be efficient. It's time. Lord, okay, I'm struggling, but, you know, we could do this in one setting. Because you're able, God. You're able. Lord, you could just open those arteries. But if you want to use the cardiologist, then praise God. But we could do them both in one setting. He says, like, you're going to have to come back in a week. And so that was just two weeks ago tomorrow. And so my ENT calls the cardiologist and says, make sure you don't use the normal amount of anesthetic because if, if you run into a stroke, you have to intubate him. It'll create more trauma for his throat, and I'm trying to get him to a new place. So when they get me on the table getting ready to do the stents, the anesthesiologist says, look, I'm not going to be able to give you as much as I normally do, I'm going to keep you comfortable. But normally, you wouldn't even remember this. He said, even if the doctor would need to ask you a question, you won't remember it. But he said, I can't give you the normal amount. <laughs> I got to do it twice. You know, just load me up. Like, I don't want to feel anything for the... If I got to do it twice, just give me three weeks worth right now. 
And so, instead of not remembering, I remember every single part of that, every conversation. It wasn't painful in the least. But I remember, and I'm just lying on that table, and I'm going, God, like, just, I would rather not know this. I'm hearing the doctors, I'm here, like, and the Lord dealt with me. He said, Ron, this is the perfect time for you to look up. And realize that I'm the one who gave doctors the brilliance to know to do these kind of procedures. And that your heart is only beating because I'm the fuel for every beat and for the rhythm. And I'm in control. So you just look up to me because I am your shield. I've shielded you every day of this journey. I'll shield you the rest of the way. I don't promise ease. I just promise a so that. A so that the proven genuineness of your faith will result in glory and honor and praise. Stand with me, everybody. Let's give the Lord praise for his encouraging, empowering word. Lord, I pray right now for everybody in this room that needs to be strengthened to hold on to their faith because it's hard for them. If that's you right now, would you just lift your hand as high as you can, as quickly as you can, say, you preach to me today. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we look back. We're overwhelmed. We look forward. We are amazed. We look up. We lift our eyes. To you. We realize you're in control, you're out in front, and yet you're very present in the time of need to give us grace and mercy. Secondly, if you have not put your trust in Jesus and you need to accept him as your Savior right now, say, Lord, I trust that you did for me exactly what your word says. You died for me. You rose again for me so that as I open my heart and repent of my sin, you will forgive me and I can have a relationship with you and I can go forward in this living hope. If that is you, pray that prayer. Watching online or in this room, this is the life-changing moment. Start that relationship with Jesus today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. praise Him with me for His awesome grace to all of us.